0: praise the Lord. Another song I really like says you can take him at his word if he says it I believe it. Amen. Amen. Pastor's text this morning Luke 7 11 through 17 Luke chapter 7 11 through 17 And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Naan and many of his disciples went with him and much people now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the buyer, and the bear stood, him stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead set up, and he began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother, and there came a fear on all and they glorified God saying that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God hath visited his people and this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. Lord Jesus, your presence is sweet in this place and we take you at your word this morning. Help our pastor deliver your word to us and let us receive it. And let it go forth and accomplish your will in Jesus name. Amen. Praise the Lord, you may be seated this morning.
1: Pray for clarity of mind, my mind is so clouded. We've been through so much this week going and doing and different things that's come up against us and we're just believing the Lord to give us clarity here this morning. We got a message from the Lord and I wanna be able to speak it the way that God wants it to so we pray the delivery will just flow under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I wanna talk to you today on the subject, Life at the Gate. You know, here in, this, here in this story, we see that there's a woman that had lost her son in death. The woman was no ordinary woman. As a matter of fact, the Bible specifically gives her a name or calls her a widow. In verse 12, the Bible says, Now when he had came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And now, not only do we see that she was a widow, but we also see that the deceased was her only son. The Bible calls him a man, and in order to be called a man in biblical times, you had to be at least the age of 30 years of age. So we see here that here they were, this guy's probably 30 years of age, and he has died and he's the only son of this widow woman. And we have to understand that in biblical times, there was no welfare programs, no food stamps, no federal or state help. And when a man died of the home, it was the responsibility for the son to take care of the home, especially the mother. And for, or, or it was for the woman to get married again and her new husband take care of her. And if she had no sons and, and if she was unable to marry, then her only alternative was for her to return back to her father's house uh, and her family would take care. Take care of her uh, however it appears in this case it caused this young man a man that he was of a uh, that he was a little older which would make this widow older and she probably she was at the age to where her mother and father were not able to take care of her or at least they might not even be around they may already be dead in 2 Timothy chapter 5 verse 3 and 4 the Bible tells us honor widows that are widows indeed but if any widow have children or nephews let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents for that is good and acceptable before God. But if any provide not for his own house, he has denied the faith, faith and he is worse than an infidel. In other words, what the apostle Paul was telling young Timothy, he's telling him that you are to take honor the widows that are widows indeed. But first of all, if this widow has any children, then it's the responsibility of the children, even says a nephew, to take care of them. And if them children, and if them nephews do not take care of them, they are worse than an infidel. Can you imagine that? Widows were without resources back in those days and they were also legally subordinate to the male relatives. So these women were to look to these men and submit themselves over to them for them men to take care of them. And when there was no relatives, when there was no children, then she, and she was past the age to marry, then the apostle Paul gave guidelines to the church of how to take care of these widows that met certain stipulations and certain guidelines. In James chapter one, verse 27, the Bible tells you pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the things of the world. Notice the three things it's considered undefiled religion. It is number one, to take care of the orphans. Number two, visit the widows in their affliction. And number three, to keep ourselves unspotted spotted from the things of this world. We're to remain holy. Them are the three things that is considered to be undefiled religion. Pure and undefiled religion though is one of them is to visit the widow in their afflictions. But there's guidelines in taking care of those widows and it is found in the scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 5 verse 9 through 11. Let not a widow be taken in the number under three score years, which is 60 years, having been in the life of one man, well reported of of good works, she has brought up children, she has lodged strangers, and if she washed the saints feet, if she's received the afflicted, if she's diligently followed every good work, but the younger widows refuse them, for when they have begun to wax warning against Christ, they're going to marry. Now, that's kind of a hard statement, isn't it? The Apostle Paul says if there's a widow and her husband dies, if she's under the age of 60 years old, don't take care of her. He says, and the reason being is because she's young enough to to go out here and find her a husband and get married, and then the husband is to take care of her. But if she's sixty years and older, then he says, you know, number one, he says she's got to have met these guidelines. She's going to have to be a godly woman. She's going to have to be the husband, uh, the wife of one man, the wife of one man. She's not into polygamy. She's also reported for good work. She's washed the saints' feet. She's done all of these criterias. But this begins to show us what kind of dilemma that this little widow woman was in within our text. Here, her only son is dead, and it appears that she is the age to where there are no parents, there is no relatives to take care of her to help her, and she has lost her way of life, her living, and she's facing a hopeless situation. Her whole world come crumbling down with one with one little uh, happening in her life. When her son died, her whole life died. Everything around her began to cease in her mind. Can you imagine how she felt so hurt, such grief uh, and anguish of soul, so sad weeping just over the death of her son alone? But that's not all that was upon her. Let's not forget the fact that uh, she also, that this also caused her future to look bleak and dim and hopeless uh, and she was not only depleted emotionally, but folks, this little lady was ruined financially. She just woke, went to bed one day with everything and woke up the next day with nothing. Have you ever been there? Has life ever tripped you up? Has life ever tricked you to the where you thought you had everything going for you? And just one circumstance come by and change everything just like that. That's exactly what's happened to this little lady. The only hope that this woman had was the Bible says that she she had a large following following her to the graveside. There was a great uh, following uh, going to the graveside to bury this young man. And it seems that she was well known or well liked in the community or at least her son was well liked and well known in the community. Which gives us hope that she met the requirements of that of the apostle Paul or at least she had enough people that loved that would help take care of her. But this whole community felt the pain and the loss of this young man. Let me just stop right here and say, something. Sometimes we really don't understand how important we are and how much of an impact that we have within our community. Sometimes we don't understand how important we are and what kind of an impact that we have upon our family. Sometimes we don't understand how important we are and what kind of an impact that we have on just society in itself. Folks, you are marvelously and wonderfully made by God. You're a creature that God has created and he don't make junk. And you're important to the things that God has called you to do that no man can do because you are uniquely created to do a ministry that no one else can do you're important. look at somebody and say i 'm important i have I can have impact and influence amen. But here is this widow following the briar or the casket in the funeral possession. That was the word I was trying to come up with a while ago. And the, here they are going down the street of Nain where they lived. And all too often people had traveled that same city street that led to the gate which would lead to the footpath that led to the cemetery that lied outside of the city. And the cemetery was full of buried dreams and dead visions and hopeful expectations of the people that were in that city. Do you know how many graves there probably were out there, and do you know how many hurt and hopeful hopeful expectations is buried out there? How many broken dreams is buried out there? The crowd not only mourned following the casket of this young man, but it was also a call to remembrance of when they also carried and laid their dream and their hope and their future in the ground as well in biblical times, it was of the greatest honor to have a son. You see the word son means honor and it also means the carrier of future generation. Think about it, her honor and future was on the way to the graveyard. Her family lineage was cut off, dead, only to be buried and never to be remembered again. This, The, the things her life was to bring forth and the legacy that she was to leave would be lost. It would be counted as nothing. And all too often we see path cut off too soon, dreams being crushed, hopes being vanished, and purpose being held back. It was a place of the end of her future. It was all nothing but nothing but loss. This is where this little woman of name was at, a place of lostness. Let me ask this congregation, have you ever just felt lost? Have you just felt so incomplete that your life didn't mean anything? Does it just feel like times that God a million miles away and he don't hear you and everything around you's falling apart. People don't respect you. How many's ever felt that way? Come on, there's a lot of us that's felt that way. But I want to remind everybody here that is facing what seems to be uncontrollable, unavoidable, unstopping, unstoppable circumstances. And I just feel like this is a rhema word from the Lord. I believe God gave me this with all of my heart and I believe it's a picture of where some of you are at and God's here just to speak a word in season for you, let me remind you: it's not over till it's over, and it's not finished until it's fulfilled. It's not done even though it seems dead, and it's still blessed though it's though, even though it may be on the way to burial. I tell you, it's blessed until it's buried. I'm here to tell somebody: don't give up on your dream. I'm here to tell somebody: it may look bleak, it may look dark, it may look dead, it. May May look like it ain't good for nothing but burial. It may even have the burial clothes upon it. It may even be in the funeral possession. But don't give up honey. Don't count God
2: out. He's a God of a midnight hour. He's a God that comes in just at the right time. I'm here to tell somebody don't give up on your dream. It's not over. I <laughs> oh, somebody stand up and give God praise. Well, glory, somebody's getting it. Somebody's getting
1: it. Hey, hallelujah. Man, I'm about to have me a running fit right here because I'm tired of the devil rubbing stuff in the face of God's people and say, you're done. You're finished. Come on, it ain't over, Bubba. It ain't over. I say it's not over. I want us to see the prophetic uniqueness and the prophetic picture that is hidden within this story. Here in this story, we have two only sons, two huge crowds, two different atmospheres. I want to ask you which atmosphere do you want to be in today? Jesus was the only begotten son of God, and the widow's son was her only son. Both of these two sons had a crowd The one was a crowd of sadness and the other was a crowd of exuberant joy. Jesus, the only son of God, would die but be resurrected, never to die again. While the widow's son would be resurrected but die again and be resurrected again. Both of these sons were on a journey. The one was on a journey to a city called Nain and the other to a graveyard as a corpse. As the son of God, he was on a mission, and he had a purpose to go to Nain. Remember, Jesus knows all about you. Here he sees your sorrows, he knows your plans, he also, he, but he also has plans to meet you at the gate where the enemy's trying to check you out. Can I have an amen? Can I tell you, he's about to cancel some of the spoken words that's been spoken over your life. Them people that have spoken those curses over your life, and they've called you stupid, and they've called you ignorant, and they've called you no good. I wanna tell you there's the Son of God coming by to cancel out the things that's been spoken over your life. Can I have an amen? I wanna tell you, He's also there to He's also there to trip the snare before you reach it so that the snare can't put you in bondage and enslave you and can I tell you he's also there to cancel the assignment and the plans that the enemy has against you I'm here to tell you that my God is at work in this service right now that my God is out to protect his people and the enemy's trying to take you out he's trying to snare you he's trying to get you to the gate to to take you out of the city and place you in a grave but I want to tell you Our God's got different plans. Our God's got a different purpose. And our God's gonna see us through. And I'm here to tell you this morning that it's time for you to rise up and believe that the son of the living God is on our side and he's not against us. And he's here to help us in our time of trouble. Can I have an amen? Hallelujah. Jesus knows how to show up at the right times, even though he's been accused of being late before. Martha Mary says, if you'd only been here four days earlier, my brother wouldn't live. Jesus says, oh, he's going to rise again. Oh, we know he is in the future, in the last day, at the last trump, when the trump's... No, you don't understand, Martha. Oh, you don't understand, Mary. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Can I have an Amen. And he proved to who he was by raising Lazarus from the dead. We have to understand that gates can be points of no return or they can be entries into life. And it's all about our choosing. If this young man would have went through that gate to the burial, it would have been to a point of no return, facing nothing but a grave, a burial plot and death. Decisions to leave or to forsake or to draw back from the faith, Any kind of weakness that causes one to be taken out can cause one to become buried and dead and forgotten. It can be a point of no return where dreams are crushed and vision is dimmed and desire is abolished and potential is lost and life becomes aborted. Sometimes portals or entries or exits can be so important within our lives And let me just stop and let us be reminded. We'll get into this maybe a little if I get to that point at the end of this sermon. Jesus is our door. Jesus is our way. And Jesus is our gate into the presence of God. Can I have an amen? First of all, let me slow down and do just a little teaching and then we'll get back into this thing. I want us to notice some key words again in verse 11 and 12. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain and many of the disciples went with him and much people... Now, when he had came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only one of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. Now, here is Jesus and his disciples along with a great crowd of people arriving at Capernaum, arriving from Capernaum, excuse me. As Jesus and those that followed him came to this city of Nain, they started to enter into the gate and they ran into this funeral possession. Notice the point of contact And the place of Jesus' visitation, which would be known in our day as Jesus' manifestation, it was at the city gate. Let's talk about gates just for a few moments. In 2 Kings 4 and 1, the prophet Elisha prophesied that there would be food at the gate of Samaria in spite of the most terrible drought that's ever hit planet earth. In Acts chapter three, verse one, we find a paralyzed man at the temple's gate. And Peter says to him, as he looks upon Peter and John, expecting to receive something from him, Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that the lame took up his bed, he went leaping and jumping and praising and magnifying God into the temple. We have to understand that gates are points of exit or entry. It's a place of leaving or entering. It can be a place of death or blessing. Gates are places of transition, decision, and they determine our destiny in which path that we choose and which path that we're going to go. In the Bible times, when cities had a wall around them, the gate was the focal point of that city In every one of the cities. It was not only the commonplace of much traffic and trade, and attention, but it was the point or the portal of access. The only way into that city was through those gates, and the only way out was through those gates. The walls represented a place of security, refuge, safety, protection, and life. To be inside the city was symbolic of life. It was symbolic of peace and serenity and hope. And the meaning of the city called name, the word name means Pleasantness, lovely, beautiful, or green pastures. What did the Lord tell us in Psalms 23? The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. This city is symbolic of God's dwelling, God's security, God's refuge, God's provision. How many want to live in the city of provision? How many want to be in the city of of blessing? How many want to be in the presence of Almighty God? That's what this represents. However, to be outside of the perimeters of this walled city, meant you're outside of the walls of covering. You're outside of his protection. The favor is not with you. The grace is not with you. And you are in danger even of death. Here is hope dream, visions being carried out of the gate. In other words, you're living in the land of life, but enemy has come in and tripped you up and you're taking that which the enemy has said and you're carrying it out as if you have lost it all and you're burying it. This meant hope was vanishing, vision was dying, dreams were being crushed. In the spirit realm, there is gates. Peter faced five different gates and deliverances out of his prison. There is also So the gate of hell, Jesus said, "Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the what gates of hell shall not prevail against it." There's also four gates in heaven. And, and uh, There's three, uh, 12 gates in heaven, three on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the, the west. Uh, however, the gate of this city served as a portal. It was a door an entranceway. Now you saying, what are you saying on this? Hang on. It was an opening to the outside world or it was an entrance into the inside world of the city of life and refuge. Every day that we live, you and I live with a choice. Do I stay in the, under the umbrella of God's security or do I walk out of the gate outside of the realm of favor? That is our choice. Can I have an amen? We all have that choice. But it was the city gate that Jesus runs into this funeral possession. Long before the widow ever left home with a crowd following her, let me tell you there will always be crowds that will follow you around in your dilemmas. I wanna talk to you right here for a minute. There will always be grievers join in and gravitate to your bad news and agree with your frame of mind and cause you to doubt. Jesus, when he gets to the house of Jairus, where Jairus' daughter was dead, they were having mourners there, mourning and weeping, saying she's dead. But before Jesus could ever raise her from the dead, he had to get rid of the mourners out of the house. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you that sometimes you gotta make a choice to get away from mourners. Sometimes you don't need people to agree with your set of circumstance. Come on. Sometimes you need a friend that'll tell you like it is. Sometimes you need a friend that'll look at you and say, Would you quit thinking negative? Would you quit thinking stupid? Come on, somebody. Sometimes you need a little bit of a rebuke and a correction in the way that you're thinking. There will always be those that will give you attention and give you pity and jump on your bandwagon of how bad that you've got it. And they'll cheer you on on your negative speech on Facebook and they'll respond to your carnal tweets on Twitter and they'll back you up and they'll say all kinds of things and you'll get the attention you want if you'll get negative enough. There's always people that fall around negativity. They will support you on your way to your gate. Flies will always gravitate to steam. Can rot and the things that's dead. They will come into agreement with your loss and focus on your ruin and comfort you to embrace the death of your own vision and your own life and your own son and your own blessings. Come on, I'm preaching now. And they will curse your life with you and cause you to destroy your own dreams and your own goals and your own desires and your own potential. I remember I was watching Andy Griffin some time ago and he went over to the drugstore to get a little bit of salve because Barney had barely nipped his finger. And while they were at B and the, and the town gossip woman was there. And he asked the clerk, I need a little bit of salve. What, are you sick, Andy? Are you hurt, Andy? No, Barney nipped his finger, da, 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 da. And when they left, the old lady looks up and says, I think there's more to meet the eye." and before he even got over with the of them two old ladies had Barney dead all over that town to the point gossip went so fast that the hearse pulled up to get the body of Bar- Barney from the courthouse, and the Barney has to run off the undertaker, and all too often you come to the house of God and start speaking a negative word even in the house of God, and people will jump on your bandwagon. And they'll oh how bad you got it. And oh how bad life is. And they'll agree with you when they don't need to be agreeing. I want to tell you a true a true brother will give you truth when you don't want to hear truth. A true brother will set out to pr- protect your life, not join in with you and let you curse your own life. I'm here to tell somebody, get away from the
2: mourners and the doubters and get in with the movers and the shakers and the decreeers and the, the declarers. I'm down. I need somebody to stand in the gap and declare God's blessings and God's riches over my life. Hey.
1: You need to hang around movers and shakers, declares and decrees instead of mourners and doubters. You need to hang around those that are speaking life and not death. Come on, somebody. How many knows that you'll either be justified by your words or you'll be condemned by your words? How many knows that the power of life and death's in the tongue? Amen. You need to hang around those that speak faith and not doubt. You need to hang around the spiritual and not the carnal. The carnal mind's in enmity with God. It's not subject to the laws of God. Neither indeed can be. Can I have an amen? And the carnal mind brings forth Death. The adversary will always set up people that will push his agenda, try to get you to go outside your gate all the way to the cemetery. So there you can bury your dream, bury your future. But long before the widow left her home, with this crowd following her for the funeral, Jesus had already left Capernaum, headed to the city. Can I tell somebody? Help's on the way. You're headed for the. You're headed for the darkest day of your life. But I want to tell you, light's headed your way. Can I have an amen? amen? Helps on the way. Though it seems he's a four off. Yeah, he's nine to them that call upon his name. Can I have an amen? Jesus must have known what he would run into at that gate before he ever left Capernaum. And he left Capernaum on time to be at that gate of the city of Nain to stop a boy From going outside of that gate, a boy that to stop a boy, a dream, a future from being carried outside of the city and buried and lost. Long before the widow reached the gate with the funeral possession, Jesus knew he needed to leave Capernaum early so that he could reach that widow before they reached the gate. He had to beat them there. Jesus knew that he had to stop the boy from being carried outside of the gate. Why? Because Jesus went outside of the gate and it was there that he was crucified on Calvary and died. Jesus fulfilled his purpose, became man's curse on the tree, on the cross. And by going outside of the gate, he destroyed that curse that's upon man. While the adversary and the crowd say, You're through, you're done, it's over, it's finished. You might as well face the facts. You'll never ever be any good any again. Yet Jesus says, It is finished. Amen. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. He that believeth in me though he were dead. Man doesn't have to enter into the portal of entry to the way of death, doom, and gloom, and despair. Why? Jesus has done went and done that for us. He went outside of the gate. He died in our place. We don't have to go there. Man does not have to go outside the gate of God's favor for his life. The timing of Jesus was so so important and it was no accident or coincidence, but it was one of divine essence. Timing was the essence and Jesus had this young boy and widow on his mind. Aren't you glad that Jesus has you on his mind? Am I preaching all right this morning? And remember, Jesus knows about you. He sees your sorrows. He knows your plans, your dreams, your hopes, your desires, your ambitions. He knows everything about you and he sees them from afar off. Jesus plans to meet you at your gate that the enemy has set up for you to exit to destroy your life. Some of you are teetering right now on exiting from the faith or staying in the faith. You're right there at that crucial moment. God told me this. This is a rhema word. Some of you have got dilemmas that just seem like I'm about to bury my dreams. Everything's collapsing. Everything's done. Nothing seems to be happening. Your gate of exit will turn into an entry, though, a breakthrough before this service is over. And it's uh, going to turn into an entry, a breakthrough that you thought could never happen. The place that you thought that you were going to lose is exactly where he plans to give it all back to you. You say, well, why does he always wait to the last minute? Because he gets more glory that way. And he shows you that it isn't man that does it. It's God that comes through on your behalf. Can I have an amen? You know, no matter what went wrong in your life, he's able to make it right. You may think your crisis is worse than anything before, but even death cannot even stop him or even make sway him or threaten him. All power of heaven and earth is given to him. Let him touch whatever looks and appears that, to be dead. And let him send you back home with a song in your heart that you thought you would never be able to sing again. I'm here to tell someone life is, waiting, uh, at, life is waiting for you at the gate. Amen. It was approximately between 18 to 25 miles, different commentaries say different things from Capernaum to Nain. So this meant that at an average of a walking speed that Jesus had to leave anywhere from six to eight hours early to walk the different distance to name, Jesus had also had a huge crowd following him, and I like this. Here's where two crowds are about to clash together. I love it. Here's a woman that's got all this bad activity around her, cursing her dream, casting doubt, mourning with her, jumping on the bandwagon of her, of her torn emotions. Come on. Meaning well, maybe, but on the flip side of the coin, they gave in to the process of death. But here comes Jesus with a bunch of followers that's praisers. And these mourners are about to get in contact with a bunch of praisers. Come on, somebody. What are they praising about? They just come from a raising of the dead and they're about to see another one. Can I have an amen? And I don't know why I'm doing this, but I know there are people in here that don't feel like they're spiritual right now. They don't feel like they got any faith in them whatsoever. But those of you that do, can you show how many's on their side? Could you just stand up and begin to rejoice in the Lord?
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's some praises in the house.
1: (laughs) Stay up for just a second. See, the enemy comes by and says,
2: it's over! But the crowd says, what? The enemy comes by and says,
1: you're done, you're finished, but what, what, what does the praiser say? I, I, you know, the enemy will come by and mock and ridicule and deny you your blessing, but what does the crowd say?
2: You don't understand. You don't understand how important your praise is. When a man's down, when a man's went as far as he can go, when his back's against the wall, he needs somebody to come by and to give him a little hope and let him know that Jesus is still alive. Oh, give me praise.
1: Hallelujah.
2: Give me some praisers.
1: You may be seated. Let me tell you just how much Jesus loves you. With every voice of negative, with every mourner, with every doubter, Jesus brings a voice of reason and hope and faith and power and truth. That's powerful. Which voice you going to listen to? The enemy says, "No one cares." But the praisers say, you're not alone. We love you. And he even tell you, no one cares. But the praisers says, we care, we're here. Come on, somebody. Jesus even put his angels in charge over you lest you dash your foot against the stone. Before Jesus leaves Capernaum, we see that he heals. I love this part. Well, if ever God gave me something, it was this. And he gave me this through uh, 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 article that Andre Funcil wrote and when I got this I thought I called him and said can I use this to give Andre a, a, a credit for this, this right here but God gave it to me through him but he said before Jesus leaves Capernaum we see that he healed a centurion servant you remember the story I'm not going to go into all of it But Jesus says, I'll come and I'll heal him. And the centurion said, oh no, there's no need for you to come to my house. I'm a man of authority. I tell men to come, they come. I tell men to go, they go. I tell men to do this and they do that. I understand what authority is. All you gotta do is speak the word. It can be done. And Jesus said, wow, I've not seen so great a faith in all of Israel. Oh, Wow. He's, he's, he's hammered by that. And the Bible says that he just spoke the word and at the same hour they sent word to the centurion that his servant was healed. Can I have it? But I, know, I want you to notice just how important you are. It is here in our text that he will walk the distance seven or more hours to another miracle. Right prior to him coming to name, he performs a miracle over a distance He never went to the man's house. But here, he walks six hours so he can do another miracle. What does that mean? Some can be healed from afar, but there are some that requires his presence, his personal touch, and his attention. And when I was praying over this service, the Lord spoke to me and he said, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to do from afar. I'm going to come down and give them my undivided attention. I'm coming to have a visitation with them. It's going to be a personal thing between you and the Lord. The widow didn't even know Jesus was coming, but he was coming. It don't matter that you didn't know he was coming this morning. He came, he's come. He's came. Can, can I have an amen? amen. Jesus planned to of time to meet her at her gate of sorrow and send her back home with joy. And can I tell you that your dilemma has not caught him by surprise. He knows where you're at and he's mindful and thoughtful of you and he's going to take care of whatever it is that is bothering you this morning. The boy she loved didn't miss one night of sleep in his own bed. Because they buried the same day back then. They couldn't embalm very well. And so they put him in the casket and carry him to the cemetery all in one day. But I want to tell you, he died that morning and went back to bed that night. Yeah. Hallelujah. Jesus comes to the city, stops the funeral possession, and the first thing he did was have compassion upon the widow woman. The first order that was to do was to comfort her. Then he put his hands on the briar, and the boy's body set up. And then Jesus said, Young man, I say unto you, arise. And the Bible says that he that was dead set up and began to speak. And he took him by the hand, walked him over, and presented her son back to the mother. now, Now, let me ask you a question. Which side of the crowd do you think the woman joined? Went there as a mourner, but went home as a praiser. Hallelujah. Went there empty of promise, but went back home with promise. Went there broke, but went back financially secure. Come on, somebody. I don't know who you are. I don't know everything that you're going through, but somebody's about to get their dream back, their hope back, their vision back, their promise back. I wanna tell you they're getting their
2: life back. Somebody's gonna get their health back, their finances back, their wife back, their children back. I'm here to tell somebody that God is about to restore you out of the land of mourners into the land of praisers. Hallelujah.
1: I feel like the Lord's saying, I'm coming your way, and many of you don't even know it. I hear Jesus saying, I'm coming to your gate. Say that, I'm coming to your gate. It may seem like life is over, it's finished, it's done, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus is stopping the funeral procession today. You're planning for losing and saying goodbye, but it's not gonna happen. Your future secure in him. Sadness is about to turn into joy in this room. Dead things are about to come alive. Are you listening to me again? Jesus is already planning to meet you unexpectedly. He set you up for this moment. Why? Because listen to what the last verse says. There came fear on all that they, and all they, and there came fear on all, and they glorified God saying, God has visited his people, and that this testimony of him Went throughout all Judea and all through the region around about. What is God doing? God's about to turn your test into a testimony. God's about to get glory about what you did and revival's about to spark out because of you. Can I have an amen? Let me tell you how much God loves you. Can I get real with you just for a few moments and I'll close. I had a friend when I was growing up, his name was Ernie Parks. Ernie was a year or two older than I was. Lived in a very, very, very poor home with a bunch of kids. I don't know how many it there was. There's, I could start naming them. There's a bunch of them. Two boys and a slew of girls. And uh, Jeff Clark, many of you know him, one of the great preachers that's preached behind our pulpit before. He's married to one of them, Tanya. She was the youngest one. All I remember around about Tanya, she's about a year and a half, two years old. And they were always going to the store and hanging around town and they'd just drag that little girl everywhere they go but you couldn't keep clothes on that little girl. As naked as a jaybird. My mom and half the ladies in town would put clothes on her and they'd go home for a little bit when they come back, no more clothes. And there's a slew of them and they were poor. My mom and dad, took interest in them and tried to help them as much as they could and me and Ernie were friends and then we... Out of high school, we, you know, he quit high school, if I remember correctly, never finished, and, you know, we just grew apart, and he left Dudley, and I never even knew where he went, hadn't heard from him for 30-some years, maybe at the time, almost 30, 20-some years, late, about 28, 29 years before he called, one night about 12, 1 o'clock at night, my phone rang at the house, and when that rings that late, I'm, uh-oh, what's wrong, I grabbed the phone and said, hello? He said, Kent? I said, yes. He said, this is Ernie Parks. I said, Ernie, what in the world are you doing? Where are you at? He started telling me where he's at. He's in St. Louis. He was married. And he was telling him about some problems he was having. He said, I don't know what it is, but, man, I just had to call you. I'm sorry for calling so late, but, man, I kept hearing a voice, call Kent, call Kent, call Kent. He said, I couldn't get away from it. And I looked your phone number up and there it was. And he said, I said, well, I, said, I was sitting there didn't know what to say or nothing. I said, well, then it dawned on me, this is a Samuel moment, God speaking to that man. I said, Ernie, are you a Christian? Have you given your life to the Lord? Well, you know, he did earlier, I knew. We, we, we grew up in the earlier part of the church together. He said, well, I pray. I said, that ain't what I ask you. I didn't ask if you prayed. I didn't ask if you go to church. I didn't ask you anything. I asked you, is Jesus your Lord and Savior of your life? He said, Well, I, I hope so. And I said, No, this ain't a hope so. It's a no so religion. I said, I want you to know without a shout of doubt before you hang up off this tonight, you've called because God set you up and you're going to get saved tonight. And we talked, and Ernie gave his life to the Lord, and you wouldn't believe how the transition took place over that phone, even in his speech and his. And his voice, how, oh, he's so excited. It feels like the old days, Kenny's crying. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then he hung up. My mother came to church the next day. It was on a Saturday night. and I said, Mom, you'll never know who I heard from. She said, who? I said, Ernie Parks. Well, he called me too way up in the night last night. I said, he did? Yeah, and he just said, Glenda, I don't know why I'm calling you, but I wanted to tell you that I'm very, very thankful for all that you and Bill done for me in my life. Mom and dad would always give him money for food at school. They'd buy him shoes. They'd buy him clothes. They'd make sure he was taken care of. And he just called to thank her. He said, I just felt like I needed to call and thank y'all for that up in the middle of the night. And said, we didn't talk long. He was just very thankful and hung up. I guess he called her first and then me second. So the next day, I don't know how I found out. I can't even remember but he was working on a car in a garage when he called me. And the next morning, his family looked for him and couldn't find him and they went out and the car had fell on him and killed him. That night, don't tell me God don't love you and he'll be at the gate of your entrance.
2: God knew he
1: was about to check out. Come on, somebody. God knew that he was going to die that night and he was lost and he was undone and he wasn't right. And God left Capernaum and went
2: to St. Louis in an old garage and there he said, Ernie, you're saved.
1: Can I have an amen?
2: A few hours or moments before he died, God saved him.
1: I had another friend I was walking into my office to go use the restroom of all things and had to use it so bad. And, I, I, and I, I'm saying that for a reason. I had some stuff in my hand and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, call so-and-so. I said, okay, but i got to use the restroom. And the Lord said, now. I said, Lord, now, no distractions. I had stuff in my hand. I just stood on my desk, ran to the restroom, got the phone, dialed him. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm out here on a mountain with a 44 Magnum stuck in my mouth with a hammer pulled back, fixing to pull the trigger, and I said, God, if you love me, have somebody call me. And the phone ringed, and it's you. Don't tell me God don't love you. Don't tell me God won't meet you at your gate. Can I have an amen? Don't tell me that he won't stop you from burying your dream. Don't tell me he won't bring new life and new vitality back to you. That man today is still alive and well, pastoring the church of God, and I want you to know, thriving with his family, thriving with his wife. He was divorced at the time, got his wife back, got his family back, got his children back. His children are back in the church serving the Lord. Don't tell
2: me God can't bring it to pass. Don't tell me it's over. It's not over. over.
1: Would you stand with me this morning? Some of you at a crucial point, you're at a point of transition. Your back's against the wall, you're tired. We understand where you're at. Some of you are teetering on your Christian experience. Some of you are strong in your Christian experience but you're still at a crossroads. You're still being carried to the gate, pushed to the gate. And I want you to come up here and we're gonna lay hands on you and we're gonna believe that Jesus of Capernaum is gonna stop you from going out your gate here today. And we're gonna believe all things are gonna become new for you. And if your back's against the wall and you're in a dilemma, you've been losing things, you, you, you just think there's no hope, it's done, it's finished. I wanna tell you, death's done been, the death certificate's all been written It's already in the casket. The lid is shut and they're in the funeral possession and they're carrying it out. I want to tell you, it's blessed until it's buried. It's not over till it's over. It's not finished until it's fulfilled. I'm here to tell somebody, God wants to do a miracle for you here today. Can I have an amen? amen? And if you need that miracle, I want you to run to this altar right now. Come on.